0: I invite you to be seated. A Hanukkah menorah that once graced the Maripal Synagogue Sanctuary was miraculously recovered from the rubble one day before Hanukkah. It was discovered by Andrei Zhirenko, the Eastern Orthodox landlord who owned the building. Zhirenko said, when he found the menorah, he burst into tears. I couldn't believe it, he said. Last spring, in the bombing, the whole building collapsed. There was nothing remaining but the walls on the outside. There was such a fire that even the metal in the building melted. But in December, he visited the property again. And in the two feet of rubble and ash, he discovered the five-foot-tall wrought iron menorah. Not only did the menorah survive the fire, but it kept its form. It was unbent, unharmed. It was like it was before, he said. And he noted that workers who had been clearing out the building and clearing out the rubble for over a month could easily have thrown it out along with the other scraps. That they and twisted mer, uh, metal that they were finding at the site, but they had not. So Andrew took the menorah home for safekeeping and he immediately emailed Rabbi Mendel Cohen, who was the only rabbi in Maripal before the war, and he is now living in Beersheba, Israel. And he told the rabbi of his discovery. He told him the story of how the, the the uh, menorah had been found and how he would like to take care of the menorah at his home until he is able to return it to the synagogue in Maripol whenever that time comes. Andrew added, it seems to me, he wrote in his email, that it would be right for candles to be lighted on the menorah this holiday as well. You tell me how to do it and we'll do it, which is what happened. The next evening, the first night of Hanukkah, a Sunday, Andrei Jarenko, an Orthodox Christian, sent the rabbi a picture of this amazing five-foot menorah standing on his front porch, one candle lighting up the dark night. He wrote, this story is about faith and hope. The people of my country... Rabbi Cohen said, most of them lost everything. They've lost their friends, their neighbors, their loved ones. They've buried them. They've been exiled from them. And most of them are now living in various places around the world, not unlike Jesus and his family more than 2,000 years ago. There's a sense of great emotion in our community, Rabbi Cohen says. They lost everything, and all of a sudden, We get a picture, a photo from Maripol, and the menorah survived and it was like a sign from heaven, he said, and there is the feeling that a little light dispels much darkness. Matthew Henry once wrote, God, when he pleases, can make the worst of places serve the best of purposes. There's nothing that happens in Jesus' life or in our lives that God cannot redeem and use for good. If you run a Google search, miracles in Ukraine, it seems the people there are experiencing them everywhere. A life pulled from the rubble, missiles that refuse to detonate, enemy soldiers getting confused and destroying their own tanks. They talk about the prayers answered in spite of the loved ones buried, the lack of power or running water and the brutal cold. They speak of miracles and of God's protection and of all the ways that God is with them in unexpected blessings and in the assurance of their faith. Venenko asks the world to pray for them. He says, pray that our God, who is the Prince of Peace, would grant the peace in our hearts. He said, and that in this condition of peace, we could see the ways how to build the kingdom in times of war. He said that we could be the light and the warmth and the love and the hand of God to other people who are in need. Pray that we would be active members of the body of Christ at this time, and then let then. Litvinenko added that we would not just sit and be afraid and fear for our lives, that we would be productive in building the kingdom. War is nothing new. Innocent children being killed by those who want to protect their power, that's nothing new either. Our world is full of both beauty and brutality. And God chooses to join us in this world. And God chooses to be present, to walk the road of life with us, knowing that along with the joy, there will be suffering and cruelty and death. In the first week of Jesus's life, we go from a peaceful starry night and the sweet cries and coos of a newborn baby to the wailing of mothers in Bethlehem. Like Rachel Matthew says, mourning, a voice, Rachel, who's buried nearby, a voice was heard from Ramah wailing in loud lamentation. Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be consoled because they are no more. Matthew is saying the story isn't a fairy tale. This is real. In faith, this is where the rubber meets the road. An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, telling him to take his family and flee to Egypt because Herod, in a paranoid rage, was going to kill all the infants and toddlers in Bethlehem and the surrounding region. So Joseph took his family and he fled, like so many families on earth are doing, fleeing terror and violence with the clothes on their backs and nothing more. And they crossed into Egypt, the land their people had once fled. A land that had once slaughtered Jewish children. A land where they had been enslaved for generations. A land that would now offer them sanctuary because God uses even our enemies for our good. Herod dies. An angel of the Lord appears to Joseph in another dream and tells Joseph that it's safe to return to Israel, but Joseph is afraid of Herod's son as well. So the angel directs him to Nazareth, and there he makes his home. And for Matthew, this is all a sign of a greater unfolding narrative, the story of salvation foretold by the prophets and spanning all the generations of humanity. We might wish that God had prevented the deaths of all the other babies in Bethlehem. But the point is that God is saving the one who has come to save the world from sin and death and all that would separate us from God's life and love. We wish that having God with us meant that nothing bad would ever happen to us, but that isn't how faith works. Jesus, too, will suffer. He'll be executed on a cross. And Mary, like all the mothers of Bethlehem, will one day wail with grief over her son. Sometimes, David Lose writes, life is beautiful and wonderful and filled with goodness and grace. And God is a part of that, giving blessing and celebrating with us and for us. And sometimes life is hard, gritty disappointing, filled with heartache. And God is part of that as well, holding on to us, comforting us, blessing us with promise that God will stay with us through the good and the bad, and not only to accompany us through difficult times, but also to bring us to the other side. But the end of the story, by the end of the story, there is only an empty tomb, and life, eternal life for all. Amen.